Joining us on the line is Michael Pack. He is president of Manifold Productions, independent film and television production company, which he founded in 1977. And of course, he has directed the brand new film Created Equal. It's now available over at Daily Wire to stream. All you have to do is use code JUSTICE for 20% off for your membership. It's a really important film. Michael, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me on, Ben. So, Michael, why don't you talk about why you decided to make the film? Obviously, Clarence Thomas uh, is perhaps the most underappreciated public figure in modern American life. Uh, it's it's truly incredible that we've had all of this notorious RBG worship for her just basically being a down-the-line liberal, um, but apparently a groundbreaking because she is a woman. But Clarence Thomas, who is a man who grew up in the segregated South, essentially without parents, he was raised by his grandparents, and became not only a Supreme Court justice, one of the most important and influential Supreme Court justice of the modern era, they, they, they basically had to lobby to get him into like the National African-American Museum of History. Uh, so what prompted making the film? Well, several years ago, I heard from mutual acquaintances of, of mine and the justices that he was getting tired of having his image um, uh, delineated by people who hated and distrusted him. And he was very tired of the media coverage of him and wanted to get his story out. He had written a memoir, but but in the on television and film, it was being very distorted. So I had I knew very little about him, but I met him. And once I met him, it was obvious that he had a great personal story for just the reasons you just said, Ben. It's a great American story, a classic American story, a Horatio Alger story coming from, as you just said, dire poverty in the segregated South to being a, an, an associate justice of the Supreme Court. And it had many dramatic twists and turns, as you know. You know, he grew up in a Gullah speaking part of uh, island peninsula pinpoint just outside of Savannah. His first language was in English and in dire poverty. His mother moved to Savannah when he was eight years old with him and his brother, where he experienced, as he, went, as he said, he went from rural poverty to urban squalor. And there he was hungry, didn't have enough to eat, was cold. His mother would bring him to school. He'd just leave school, no one cared, and he'd wander the streets of Savannah. And after a couple years of this, she realized she couldn't take care of her two sons on her housekeeping salary and brought him to her father, her grandfather, to raise, just as you said. And that changed Justice Thomas's life around. He gave Justice Thomas discipline, ethics, the, the hard work, sent him to parochial schools. His grandfather was a Catholic, a rare thing in Savannah in those days. And the nuns, too, gave him discipline, hard work, and a, a decent education. They were segregated schools, but Clarence Thomas thrived. He wanted to be a priest. Not everybody knows that. He so liked Catholic school, and he enrolled in the seminary. And that was he was then one of the first African Americans in an all white seminary. He was early. He was integrating it, and there he started to experience some segregation and prejudice. And that eventually made him lose his calling. On the, the day, for example, when Martin Luther King Jr. was shot, he heard a seminarian who was watching it on TV say, I hope that son of a bitch dies. And that so horrified him that the church would, would let that go on, that, that that could happen in a seminary, that he lost his faith. He Then he became a radical. He went home and told his grandfather he wasn't going to be a priest. His grandfather kicked him out of the house, his only real father figure. And he went through a radical period where he felt, as he said, that race and racism explained everything. He went to the only place where you can get a scholarship, Holy Cross in Massachusetts, and he was a radical. He 
helped form the Black Student Union there. They invited Panthers to speak. Uh, he supported every radical, Stokely Carmichael, H. Rap Brown. And it was only through seeing that radicalism lead to no result and, and failure that he eventually turned it around, came back to his faith, and became a conservative. And, and that is only half of the story, Ben, right? And then he goes to Washington, works for Reagan, is attacked by the left, and there's the dramatic story of his his uh, confirmation in the Anita Hill allegations, and then his many years on the court. So it's a great story. It was very hard to compress into two hours. Um, I do not do it justice ever, I, but because it's a great story, and Justice Thomas was so great telling it, we wanted him to tell it rather than it be a comment on him with many com many different interviewees speaking. So it's really two hours of Justice Thomas looking right to camera, telling his story in his words. So you see the world as he sees it with, with recreations and stock footage and stills and archives, but it's really a chance to hear what he thinks of the world. As you said in the lead in, and he is one of the he is unquestionably, whatever your politics, one of the most important thinkers today, and surely I'd say the most important African American leader in America today. One should hear his views. So, Michael, um, you know, you, you briefly mentioned the Anita Hill hearings, and, and according to the left, this is the only important thing about Clarence Thomas. Literally, the only important thing about his life is that America, being a apparently a, a evil, not only a patriarchy, but apparently an anti black patriarchy, um, but somehow attacking a black man. In any case, America being a terrible, horrible, systemically racist and patriarchal place upheld the the evil of Clarence Thomas. And HBO makes movies about this. There are widespread perceptions on the left that Clarence Thomas is a serial sexual abuser of women because of Anita Hill's testimony. What's the actual story of what happened during the Anita Hill hearings? Because this has been sort of recapitulated and rewritten by history. At the time, the American public just did not believe Anita Hill. And now, of course, the media have declared that Anita Hill was was not only believable, but everybody was wrong not to believe her. None of the evidence has shifted. The only thing that's shifted is their opinions about Clarence Thomas, apparently. Well, that's right. It's a case study in the left not giving up. As you just said, at the end of those hearings, Americans believe Justice Thomas over Anita Hill two to one. And that included African-Americans, that included women. But the left, as you just said, does not give up. And they continue to retell and tell that story in the intervening years. And they have probably flipped uh, that those proportions. And now they have convinced the world that Anita Hill was speaking truth to power. She is the godmother of the Me Too movement, et cetera. But I beg your listeners and viewers to watch the film. And then you'll see how Clarence Thomas experienced it. And you can make your own judgment. But I think the, the 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 point in a way is that not only did the left keep telling that story, they kept up their attacks on Clarence Thomas, often in the most racist language. They called him an Uncle Tom. We have a photographs of him being a shoeshine boy to Justice Scalia in a cartoon. Racist tropes that you could not use against anyone, even a white conservative, somehow was acceptable for Justice Thomas. And, and so that persisted too, along with their version of the Anita Hill um, story. So, Michael, this film comes out. It was originally available on Amazon, and then it just wasn't available on Amazon. Right. So what happened there? What, what drove Amazon to basically remove the film from its uh, available library? Well, it's an amazing story, I think. we the, the film started out in movie theaters. We had a limited theatrical run starting January of last year. 
Then the film was broadcast nationally via PBS in May, and it got great reviews both in movie theaters and on PBS in places like the Washington Post, not usually friendly to conservative films, and it won awards. And then we released it digitally uh, last September, including on Amazon, and starting in October, Amazon had it on, you could buy or rent it on Amazon as well as get DVDs, and then it switched to Prime. And then on February 8th, at the beginning of Black History Month, they eliminated the downloadable versions, the buy, rent, streaming from their website. They gave no reason, and there was really a, a, a huge outcry. There were a lot of people wrote about it. A lot of people complained. If you go to the Amazon website, you can still even see their their customers complaining on the website. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal, among other places. And they simply refused to put it on. They claimed it was just an algorithm. They were eliminating documentaries at that time. But my feeling is, if it was just an algorithm, why didn't they put it back on? I mean, it was Black History Month, and, it, and, it, and it's been many months since then. They still have not put it back on. They put things back on all the time. Why not? I really can't speculate on what they're thinking, but I guess, I, and I cannot imagine it. I mean, it's it, it's mind-boggling to take off the, to not allow your customers to hear the story of one of the, I think, the most prominent African-American leader today, but surely one of the top three, to take it off your website in the middle of Black, in the beginning of Black History Month is amazing. I, I can't imagine what their reasoning is. Yeah, Michael, it makes it a little more suspicious that about the same time they removed your film, they also removed Shelby Steele's film uh, briefly. Again, it was it was during Black History Month, and it is uh, it is at least suspicious that the algorithm seemed to take out only conservative films involving a prominent conservative black man. Uh, so, uh, I mean, another example of the algorithm problem, even you know, so the DVD you can still get from Amazon, but when you search "created equal," the film is called "created equal." Clarence Thomas, in his own words. And if you search on Amazon, created equal Clarence Thomas, you don't get it until the second page. First, you get Anita Hill films and RBG films. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg doesn't have any words in common with that search term. So I, you're right. It's The algorithms are at the very least suspicious. So, Michael, you, you've been in the, uh, in the documentary business for obviously a very, very long time. This is not your first sort of bout with controversy. Uh, there was a, a lot of controversy that that cropped up with your movie, The Last 600 Meters, which is a, a fantastic documentary. It really is good. It's it's about the Iraq War and uh, the battle for Fallujah and the inability of the military to to effectuate its goals precisely because of both media coverage and political unwillingness to do so. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the, the controversy that occasioned that film. Well, that's right. We made this film, Last 600 Meters, that was about the biggest battles in the Iraq War, Fallujah, as you said, but all the first battle of Fallujah, then Najaf, and the second battle of Fallujah. And we aimed to tell the story from the point of view of the people there, the, the, the soldiers and Marines fighting it, from, the, from corporals up to one-star generals that were on the field, and not look at it politically. It would be like a, a battle story, as if it were D-Day or Gettysburg. And it, the principal funder was the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, but when it came time to broadcast it, PBS had problems with it. I have to say they did not have problems with the Clarence Thomas film, and I have had 13 or so films on PBS, but this one they had problems with. They felt they wanted me to add political material to it, spinning the war the way they wanted it spun. And I just refused to do it. I mean, it, and not, but not only did they want me to do that, they also didn't provide any funding to do it, but I wouldn't have done it anyway. But it was a typical, I have never had that experience. I am not sure why. 
the, as you say, the film the film doesn't tell you what to think. You see how these battles played out and the thing that made it impossible for America to achieve its objective. But you see these, you know, heroic young men and women that, that are fighting to preserve the freedoms of this country. And I think it was just too pro-military for PBS and or anybody else. And it was and and it portrayed our enemies in a negative way. I mean, one of the things PBS wanted me to take out was the atrocities on the part of our enemies, which justified the Battle of Fallujah. If you take out the enemy's atrocities and you only have the Marines coming in with all their force, it looks like they're just a mindless conquering force. So I, I wouldn't do that either. So I, I'm not sure. It, and we are searching hard for a home for it now still, all these years later. We did get favorable views, including one by you, Ben, which I greatly appreciate. So, and it, I think it is a great film. I am. I, I think it's an it's an amazing controversy and, and a sad state. No, Michael Pack, go check out his latest film on Clarence Thomas, available at Daily Wire right now, streaming created equal. And again, with code Justice, you get twenty percent off your membership over at DailyWire.com. Michael, thanks for making the film and thanks for your time. Thank you, Ben. And I I also want to say that you and I have talked in the past that we on the right of center have to build the institutions uh, that nurture and encourage filmmakers on our side or they won't exist. There are plenty of such institutions on the left, from PBS to film schools to distribution companies to production companies to funding sources. And if we're ever going to have both sides on the air, we need to build up those institutions. And I salute your efforts to do that, Ben. Well, I really appreciate that, Michael. And uh, thanks so much. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 